Hey, this is Chris from your new favorite podcast, Connor's Basement. So this podcast is dedicated to the analysis of the music of Bright Eyes and Connor Oberst. So if that sounds interesting to you or you enjoy discussions about music in general, stick around for this episode. Maybe you'll find a newfound appreciation for the band. Today we're going to be looking into Every Day and Every Night, released in 1999 by Bright Eyes. This EP precedes Fevers and Mirrors, which would end up being the album that really put Bright Eyes on the map. Before we get into our discussions about the music, I want to thank our patrons, Goldie and Mom, and want to remind everybody to check out our Instagram and Twitter, at Connor's Basement. We'll be posting about new episodes and really want to encourage people to message us and get in on some discussion about the songs. It's a lot more fun when we get to hear other people's opinions. And also, we'd like you to consider listening to the album every day and every night before listening to this episode of the podcast. Refresh yourself or uh, listen to it for the first time, take a look at the lyrics, and maybe that will spark some ideas for you as well. Well, that's it for the intro. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast the New York Times is calling Dank. Now, we haven't yet figured out if it's because of the content or just like the general environment of the basement, but we're excited nonetheless. This is Connor's Basement, the podcast dedicated to the music of Connor Oberst. Uh, my name is Chris, and joining me is the champ, right? Uh, well, I mean, I, I I don't know if I would be considered. But the you're champ. the champ, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am Jesse. I'm the champ. I mean, thank you for um, uh, alerting the public to uh, the really beautiful write up in the New York Times um, of our podcast. I'm just. I really want to get those results back for whether there's black mold down here because that that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I cut out the the newspaper clipping and it says like the new Joe Rogan question. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's editing this, keep that in. I'm going to reference it later so we can't cut it. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'm sweating already. Oh, I'm man. I'm sweating already, buddy. Uh, I guess this is all, I guess, a fun way to talk about the reception that we've gotten thus far. It's it's small, but it's huge. You know what I mean? Like, we've posted this to our own Instagrams and to Reddit, and we have close to 200 downloads on our first two episodes. We thought maybe 10 people would listen. I'm I'm floored, man. Yeah, if you subtract our parents from the equation, it's like most tops five people that we wouldn't know in our personal lives would actually listen to this thing. (laughs) And we've gotten such interest and support and it's just been kind of wild, right? Like I I didn't expect it to get such good reception and uh, we we really appreciate it to everybody who uh, is listening. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. And actually, speaking of the reception, we actually got like a couple of comments. People had their own observations about what we were discussing in the podcast. And uh, one of them that we wanted to highlight was from Your Brother's Tears on Reddit, which a fantastic reference, of course. Gotta love the fact that people are willing to honor Bright Eyes in their usernames. Just a, a salute to that. Um but maybe within that comment, what were some of the things that we wanted to kind of discuss? 
Yeah, so we didn't want to um, go too crazy with this. We might want to save this for like a separate video or something. Um, but there were a couple of things that we wanted to point out that uh, Your Brother's Tears had asked us or wanted us to maybe touch more on. So one of the questions or you know, one of the comments is, how can we reconcile from persona non grata that question? And it does have a way of being interpreted in, in two different ways, I think, because whenever I listen to it, sometimes I hear it one way, sometimes I hear it another, where one of them is an earnest, how can we reconcile? What can I do to fix this? And then the other is kind of the opposite. Will we ever be able to, right? That loss of hope, how could we ever reconcile after all of that? Yeah, and, and I think that ambiguity that is being referenced here is one of those, um, that's what makes the songwriting so strong. And the fact that even though this, this question was being asked while it was just the EP, and now in the, the far future of the good times where we have the Bright Eyes album, <laughs> we get to see that being put, like the back and forth there. In a lot of Connor's lyrics, there's this idea of being forgiven or being absolved of some sin. So I don't think right. that this flip-flopping is really like that out of the realm. Because sometimes it's like, I want to be forgiven. And then other times there's that guilt and written like, oh, I don't even deserve to be forgiven. Right. I right. think it's really interesting that your brother's tears pointed that out, that that tug and pull yeah, I want to thank your brother's tears for like the really thoughtful comment. Like I said, we have quite a lot to talk about for every day and every night. Deceptively small, but a lot of heavy topics that we're going to cover. But definitely something I think to put a pin in because we want to figure out what's the best way to integrate stuff with what are going to be relatively long podcasts, maybe turning those into like separate little small things to pop up on YouTube or our social media at Connor's Basement and stuff like that. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, we do want to talk about Down in the Weeds, but we're going to wait. We want to let the album percolate, let our thoughts kind of kind of form because I've noticed that going back to an album multiple times with a, a greater period of time between you kind of get a different appreciation or you notice different things. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that a lot of our analysis comes from our ability to like, you know, for uh, letting off the happiness, that was an album that has been like playing for years and years and years for both of us. And so, mm -hmm. we, you know, I think talking about it, we definitely got new ideas and saw different perspectives, but I think a lot of those ideas were sitting in our heads for a while and just didn't have a place to go. Whereas we're still figuring out our ideas about this album, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, spoiler alert. We did talk a lot already. Like but we, oh, we, took, <laughs> we took half an hour before we actually started recording this episode, just talking about the new album. Yeah, we definitely, we, we procrastinated a little bit, just geeking out and then, you know, fan theorying. Yeah. We have, quite a bit to get to a deceptively small record, but it's so important because it bridges letting off the happiness into, which is no secret, our favorite album, Fevers and Mirrors. There's quite a bit in this small little five track EP, and you can definitely hear the change in the songs that Connor was writing along with Mike, how letting off the happiness turned into Fevers and Mirrors, you listen to this EP, you really get the sense of where they were going with it and the evolution of their sound. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I I think evolution is a really lovely term here because while letting off the happiness has its own unique sound, this is the first album where it feels like there's a very purposeful playing of genre going on. Like there is a real drastic change in style that happens here that is so very different from most of what we hear in letting off the happiness that it kind of sets us up for what the band will do in the future, which is, I don't know, what other band do you know of that does something so different which with each different album, right? Yeah, I find it so hard to describe Bright Eyes to people. And of course, I want to talk about my favorite band. This is, this is how we got here into the podcast. But I try to show someone, and really what they want to hear is like, oh, so this is emo music. But that sounds so disingenuous. And don't get me wrong, emo music as a genre is probably like my favorite type. But there's a negative connotation that goes around with it that it's like, oh, it's just like angsty teenager music. And okay, maybe that's true for for some bands, but to label Bright Eyes as just emo and slap it with that connotation just feels wrong, you know? Yeah. And and I also think sonically, too, it doesn't quite match up, right? Because... Mm -hmm. I don't know. There are quite a few bands who I will not name for risk of like offending anybody, but it kind of sounds like a lot of the music is just kind of the same. It's the same album. Maybe a few <laughs> things different here and there, but it's, it's expected. It's routine. Right. And it's like, if you listen to fevers and mirrors, you would not have any kind of clue that they, that this band is capable of making something like Casadega. Right. You know, going even more like as far as like digital ash and a digital urn and like, okay, so we're going to switch over to more synthy kind of stuff. Which came out at the same time as I'm Wide Awake It's Morning and it couldn't sound any more different. Oh, and that's the that's the perfect example. And that happened at the same time and they were doing (laughs) completely different things and tackling completely different subject matters. So I, I think that this album if letting off the happiness is the air quotes emo album, which I would still be very hesitant to call it that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, This is sort of showing how they are able to take that idea and then put some different, weird, interesting spin on it to make it unique. And it's a space that they don't even live in too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is literally just a passing note into fevers and mirrors which would be coming out a year after but a quick note before we get into our thoughts about the themes of the album kind of wanted to give a little bit of a content warning uh for people that are familiar with connor's work this comes as no surprise but maybe people who have stumbled upon the podcast welcome you're in for a fun ride this is some awesome music but he does deal with some very heavy themes for lack of a better word i'll just say sad uh, specifically on this EP, we'll be talking a little bit about depression, addiction, uh, suicide in some of the songs too. So really only listen if you are in a headspace that you feel comfortable uh, listening to some of those topics. And if not, maybe hit pause, come back to it another time when you're uh, when you're ready for it. We'd love to have you. We think you're going to enjoy his music as much as we do. Yeah, so make sure you take care of yourself, folks. And without further ado, let's jump into the album. So as we begin to talk about the themes, one thing I want to bring up is the album insert that comes with the vinyl, maybe the CD too, I'm not entirely sure because 
you know, uh, a little too cool for those. Uh, kind of a bit of a, a record collector. Uh, <laughs> a bit of a record buff here. Uh, yeah, it's no big deal, but big man's in town. Is what <laughs> <laughs> um, so the album insert has old photos of Connor and his friends. There are these like really haunting pictures of stone statues, which I'm sure like in context aren't freaky, but in black and white and surrounded by these (laughs) old photos, they're really just kind of uh, scary. And then like various questions. um, And I'll, I'll highlight a couple of them. It would take too long to read all of them. One of them, was it hard to get out of bed today? What happens to us when we die? Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror? And one really special question that we'll get to talk about in the next podcast. Where are you, Arianette? (laughs) That's right. On this album insert, Connor is already posing that question to us or to whomever. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think those those questions do speak to a lot of the themes. I don't know which ones that you specifically pulled out that you're thinking of for the for the EP. So, I mean, I think what's really interesting here is I know that the reference to Neely O'Hara is really interesting because it shows us that Connor doesn't exactly shy away from referencing literature mm-hmm. and i mean it, that was pretty apparent in the previous album that we had covered right but i find <laughs> and i i might get some groans from our audience because this is one of those kind of books that's super divisive and i might mention this and have to take cover as you throw stones at me <laughs> i'm getting a very catcher in the rye vibe from this album okay from this ep and I got to channel my 10th grade English class. Mm, right, right. <laughs> uh, there is a line from uh, a line allows progress. A circle does not that made that connection. And I feel like, and we'll dive more into this as we get to, into fevers and mirrors as well, th- that there is a very strong connection between the character of Holden Caulfield and the speaker of these songs. Which we'll refer to as Connor just for just simplicity's for sake yeah. going forward. Yeah. And so that we can feel like he's our best friend and he'll be on the <laughs> podcast soon. Right, of course. Exactly. I mean, he's on the cover. He's gotta he's gotta come on the podcast. Otherwise, what we're liars? Absolutely not. Uh, no, of course not. Connor Oberst, if you're not a Patreon subscriber yet, uh, why don't you become a patron? <laughs> Because you totally listen to this. <laughs> yeah. So I think the main connection that I made here that might be a direct reference is um, in a line allows progress, circle does not. There is the lines, uh, as you try to find some source of light, try to name one thing you like. You used to have such a longer list and light you never had to look for it. Funny enough, there is a section in The Catcher in the Rye in which Holden Caulfield, the protagonist who has his vices of smoking and drinking, talks to his little sister Phoebe. So this is Phoebe talking. Uh, you don't like anything that's uh, that's happening. It made me feel even more depressed when she said it, um, when she said that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Sure, I do. Don't say that. Why the hell do you say that? Because you don't. You don't like any schools. You don't like a million things. You don't. Because you, and skipping here a little bit, uh, because you don't, she said, name one thing. And then hmm. he struggles to name one thing he likes. Right. So that to me was kind of like 
to me was a smoking gun. Right, right. And if and if anybody who is listening is familiar with the plot, love him or hate him, Holden Caulfield has a lot of similarities to the character in this album because destructive drinking and, and addictive personality kind of stuff, you know? Right. I mean, kind of a kind of a blend too, I guess, with like the theme overall in the album that we're looking at and then uh, a line allows progress. So uh, I'll, I'll respond in the same. I think for me, a lot of the themes that I ended up pulling out were those of existential questions, mm. uh, which I think are not unheard of, actually pretty typical for someone of Connor's age at the time. And I'm not saying it, it's a specifically teenage thing, but that's when you start to pose questions to the greater universe. And why am I here? What happens to us when we die, as is posed on that album insert? So for A Line Allows Progress, some of that stuff does come through, but I think this is probably more personal than existential for for Connor on this track, the way that I read it. So the, the title is pretty literal, right? A, li- a Line Allows Progress, a circle does not. <laughs> right, yeah. So, but I, I see like there's these self-destructive actions and there's the cycle of addiction, hope that it's going to, the cycle will be broken. And then this depression when you wake up the next day and realize that nothing has changed. We tend to do this uh, that we put a lot of pressure, like we have that epiphany and like, okay, tomorrow, that's it. Everything's going to be different. Everything's going to change. He gives himself that pep talk that everything is going to be better, but then you get disheartened whenever you realize that, wait, it's tomorrow and I still feel like crap and I still run to my same vices. And it's a lot of, like I said, it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves and put on these moments and it's not fair for us to do that, yet it it's kind of in our nature, I guess, to to do that. And there's also the dangerous um, theme that I'm seeing that takes place in a lot of cases of addiction, which is learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you can have those moments where, like, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. It's going to be different tomorrow. You wake up, nothing has changed, and then instead of having the attitude of maybe trying harder or reaching out to people who can help you, it's more like, ah, I guess it's pointless. I guess I can't do this. I guess I'm not cut out for this X, Y, Z. And then the cycle perpetuates. Yeah. And you get really interesting lines, you know, break the circle of thoughts you chase before they catch back up with you. And your parents noticed your thinning face, all the weight you lost, all the weight you were losing. That's kind of the last time that we hear about parents, right? (laughs) It seems like as much problems as he has, it feels like a lot of this is being left to happen. And how do you break out of the circle? Maybe. That's all I'll say. I may have something down the line, but sorry, keep going. I'm curious. Keep going. No, no, that's that's really all I wanted to say. And that um, that is something that is going to be seen definitely throughout Fevers and Mirrors of like the hopelessness versus hope and fighting your vices versus giving in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as we go through the al- uh, this EP, we're going to see um, that these themes also repeat here. And it, it's very much a, a herald for the album that's coming. Yeah, in this song, I really do enjoy this song. I I like the slow build of it. You know, you Mm. just have Connor and the organ, then the drums come in, then the rest of it 
until it swells into that large uh, finish. And actually, I'm pretty sure your boy Tim Kasher uh, is the one. I was doing just the about other, to say this. Yeah, it, he's the only other person credited for vocals on the album insert. Um, but you would probably recognize his voice better than I would. See, and that's the thing. Like I was, a- I was about to ask you about that because I, I do, I do love Tim Kasher. I love his work. It, it doesn't quite sound like him, and I don't know whether it's just because, like, maybe he's much younger and it's harder for me to recognize that. But um, something sounds a little off there. Hmm. But yeah, you're right. I do remember reading like he was the only other credited vocal. And I think he's credited with something funny, like ghostly vocals or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and I, I do, I love Tim Casher's stuff. So it was, it was fun trying to like listen for him, even though it sounds a little off to me, but I don't know, maybe I just don't have the ear to find it. But uh, absolutely, a great song. Like I said, that that pep talk that he tries to give himself, uh, done feeling like a skeleton, no more sleepwalking mm. dead. And, you know, so maybe... Maybe a line isn't what we need. Uh, maybe we just kind of need to bend that circle like a paperclip and, and bend it outwards until it's something line-esque. Because like when you put pressure on yourself to go from a circle to a line, as Connor reflects on in the song, you just end up disappointed. So maybe we just kind of need to bend it and be content with the fact that progress is slow as much as that sucks. <laughs> progress is right? slow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like making major changes is, and that word progress, right? And I think that there's this very youthful idea of what progress is as far as like, yep, I have to change. Something's got to change. It's going to be this like big flashy thing where I'm a different person now. And as adults, we know that that's not how people change it's a lot of flip-flopping and back and forth and wishy-washiness before we actually start making progress. And I guess as a, as a young person who doesn't have a frame of reference for patience, that could be apocalyptic in a sense. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's very hard to uh, kind of frame when life feels like just a blip and a blur. It's really hard to center yourself in the idea of the long game. Again, progress is slow, but... I guess, speaking of progress, would you like to progress our way over to the next track? I a Golf clap. Thank you. Thank you. Excellently done. Well, Jesse, this is it. This is, this is probably the biggest song that we have talked about to date. So if we don't do it justice, we will be booed out of town and our podcast will be stripped from all podcasting platforms. So no pressure, buddy. I hate this song so much. Okay, uh, guys, <laughs> uh, uh, that was a mistake. Uh, please, uh, he's out. we'll get rid of him. <laughs> We're going to take him around the back and put him out of his misery. Well, I'll talk to him. Don't worry. <laughs> well, yes, you're you're totally right in that this is one of those songs where a surprising amount of people that I'll casually be talking about bright eyes with will know this one. Like, whereas I have to kind of struggle to find a different example of a song that they might know other than first day of my life. This one strangely seems to have gotten like a lot of attention and not strangely as though it's like a bad song or anything like quite aside from the joke that I just made, but it's just like, (laughs) This seems like an interest. Like, why do so many people know about the song? It's good. Yeah. It just doesn't fit them. Like, first day of my life is just like f- chef kiss 
like soppy mainstream love song, music. mainstream, yeah. and even like too good for mainstream. Like mainstream should be on bended knees thanking, uh, <laughs> thanking it, thanking Bright Eyes for that song. Right. But this one is just like gut wrenching in many ways. I think the context of when it came out and the popularity of this genre kind of starting to peak. Mm. Like this, this was a song that managed to hit MySpace, basically. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, I, no, I don't oh, know if that, that's that place existed at one point. Yeah, like I don't know if that's like factually correct. Like that's why it blew up. Blew up. But this was the type of song that would have made its rounds during all of our emo teen years, basically. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think that speaks to its popularity. I mean, the other reason could be that this was part of my um, open mic repertoire back in the day. And I, I probably had something to do with its popularity. <laughs> Just, you know, well, uh, listen, that, I think that we deal. need to send Connor a very strongly worded email asking for your royalty checks for all the good work that you've done for his brand. Or Connor, consider $5 Patreon tier. Good enough for me, buddy. <laughs> you and me, buddy, huh? <laughs> we should make like um like a $3,000 tier and call it like actually Connor Oberst. <laughs> actually Connor Oberst. <laughs> like, like we won't accept this tier uh, unless you're literally actually Connor Oberst donated to the Patreon. <laughs> you got to do the Reddit thing where you write your username on a piece of paper and hold, with a date and hold it up <laughs> as you take a selfie. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Um, but so this song, there's we could probably have an entire podcast talking about this song. I, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. I could probably talk about it for an hour. So in the interest of time, I've pulled out some highlights and the main theme uh, or like the main story that I think is going on in the song. So I guess I'll I'll kick it off with some of those highlights if that's if that works for you. Yeah, please go for it. Yeah. So first off, I have to shout out the use of fevers and mirrors. Um, yes. He says everything you've ever seen was just a mirror. Spent your whole life sweating in an endless fever. So clearly has already begun drawing inspiration. I mean, we already talked about where are you, Arianette. Um, so very clearly an EP preceding Fevers and Mirrors. And I also really love the imagery that he's conjuring in this song. When I listen to it, I, like, I don't have synesthesia, but I swear he forces me into it. Because when he gets to those choruses and he talks about throwing the lovers to drown in their innocence in the water, I see blue, you know, or to burn in their arrogance. I see the red of the fire or in our resolution where they're laying entwined on a bed of clover. Like I see the green and I think that's just so amazing that he was able to write something so, so powerful that you can literally visualize it in your mind's eye or whatever you want to call it. The imagery of the song is very, very strong. And I think that the way in which it's conveyed to the listener is probably the majority of the reason why, you know, even as I questioned why the song kind of took off the way that it did, uh, the fact that it is this beautiful language being <laughs> screamed by a teenager <laughs> is kind of perfect. And yeah. you're right. There's something so descriptive where you can really be put into this mindset. And um, 
yeah, we get that the the imagery again, the motif of green happening here. Like uh, oh, it's a yeah. holdover from letting off the happiness. And I think this is sort of like uh, the first, in addition to you saying that we have the the actual reference of the title of the soon to be album Fevers and Mirrors. We are seeing where the shift is happening from letting off the happiness to fevers and mirrors, right? Yeah. Because it's like, and now you're laying in a bathtub full of freezing water wishing you were a ghost. I don't know why that always stuck with me of like, mm. I don't know, just just that idea of, uh, yeah, we put our we put our warning of like mental health. So, you know, we're, we're going to get into the sad part. But like, I can imagine somebody being too sad to leave a bathtub and letting the water get really cold. Yeah. And and also just the 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 holdover of that green from letting off the happiness here, but now in a totally different light, I think did this EP does a good job of sort of transitioning listeners from what they had heard before into what they're about to get. Yeah, I, you know, bright eyes they didn't squander the opportunity either because fevers and mirrors, I think really is the album that put them on the map. And the fact that this was the EP in transition, it means a lot that they could shift their sound so quickly too, uh, and, and get that blend. I, and other, other lines too. I want to just kind of shout out on this. Uh, there are so many quotables, right? First, you know that she's gone because she left you a song that you don't want to sing. And part of what makes that so powerful is just how Connor sings it, of course. It, it's the end of that verse uh, leading into the chorus, and he just he gets that perfect shrieky vibrato uh, that, he, that you just love to hear. <laughs> yep. But he speaks to that kind of phenomenon. You know, when you're with someone, you might have a song with them. That, that's your song. And once you break up or once the relationship is over, you no longer want to sing it. it you, you you can no longer listen to it without the context of everything that you lost. And then the other, other line I wanted to bring up it ended up becoming something other than what I had planned to be, <laughs> which will yeah. speak to, I'll speak to Anilio Harrow when we get there. And then his scream at the end, when he just gets in there and he's just, all right. Oh my God, dude. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> just perfect. And again, I think this is why this song made the rounds is just that perfect teenage melodrama, but it's so punchy and it's fast and it makes you feel the feels. <laughs> and it makes you feel the feels. And um, I've definitely said it, at some point uh, earlier in the the podcast, but like the ending is on a high note as, mm-hmm. as much as this is like an angsty, angry, depressed, all of those things bundled up into one song. We end with an understanding of like why he felt this way in the first place. Like I'm only angry and depressed and this and that about this relationship falling through or whatever it is that happened that had that falling out, right? Because something like that last verse can exist. Yeah. It's um, just Connor coming to terms with the fact that 
he's he's angry, he's pissed off right now, but at the end of it, there's a little bit of hope that you have to hold on to, um, that you have to try to believe that next time things will be different or that you don't necessarily curse the idea of love uh, in, in its entirety. But overall, I would say, like I, I mentioned the theme of ex- existentialism earlier uh, when we were talking about themes, but I actually read part of the song as an existential crisis because Connor's understanding of the world is being ripped apart. You know, he he says he read all of the pages and there's still no answer. Or I stand in the sun, breathe with my lungs, trying to spare me the weight of the truth. So he's coming to terms with his maybe naive idea that you get to spend your eternity with this one perfect true love. But as we know, that's not always the case. And what's left are these feelings and experiences that turn into fleeting moments and memories. That's that's all that's left behind. So he tries to distill those emotions, those feelings that he had down and convey them into a perfect sonnet or one foolish line. But I think he's contending with the fact that he can't do it. He can't properly convey what what that experience was like because words can only get you so far. <laughs> and but, ironically, he ended up, I think, doing that in right. the, the, the course of the song. You stole my friggin' words, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, man. No. <laughs> it's, uh, that, I think that's, uh, that's amazing that you saw the same thing. Like, he did it so well. Two decades later, people are still brought to tears by this song. I, I 100% agree. And I think that Connor is kind of one of those artists who... There is, I'm going to, I'm going to botch the quote, but somebody once said like, you can move past something, but it's, it's more noble to work through it. Hmm. Um, and I think in the process of working through it, to work through the idea that these fairy tales that drugged us aren't what life is like, and you can flip through those pages all you want. And it's not necessarily going to be how it turns out in the real world. The act of working through that made art. You know, I do think that there is a dangerous connotation of like the suffering artist as though like there is virtue in somebody being like depressed or angry or something for the sake of art. And yeah, I, I think people take away the wrong lesson. It's not, you know, you don't make art because you're depressed. I think you make art when you when you work with that in a productive um, or cathartic way that you don't necessarily need those feelings, but as this, the song is showing, if you're, if you approach it with bravery and honesty, I think that's where this sort of art comes from. And in the end, you know, <laughs> despite not actually writing a sonnet, he kind of did write the perfect sonnet. <laughs> I think that's really beautifully said. I don't know. I I've said my piece uh, on the track personally there i mean look like i said there's so much more i could talk about but those are the i guess the highlights i wanted to pull out what do you say we jump into the next song eh sounds good and the next song up on the ep is on my way to work and i find this song uh i actually really like this one i know that we have um i think we have differing opinions on this one 
Would you like to maybe start us off? Because I think I might have a little more to say about this one than you do. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, like you said, we have differing opinions. I don't dislike it. Uh, Usually if I listen to this EP, I'll listen all the way through, but it's definitely not my favorite song on it. I'd unfortunately have to rank it fifth out of the five tracks, but that's just by virtue that something has to come in last place, you know? But I think this song is attempting to understand the greater questions of human existence. Kind of that question, again, in the beginning of the album insert of what will happen to us when we die. I think he speaks in the first verse about religion and he's kind of posing this idea that people who believe in God have something to believe in, which is giving them the sense of purpose that they don't have to fear what comes next. They don't have to fear death because there's something they believe that something is waiting for them on the other side. And I think although he is critical of religion, that he grew up going to Catholic school and it didn't gel with him. He didn't find religion fit for him. I think he's a little jealous of that fact because even though he has those negative attitudes, at least they have that faith. At least they believe that death is not the end. Whereas death terrifies him. One reason why I think the song is, is really interesting is that it, it is maybe like the most heart on the sleeve song, even compared to a perfect sonnet in that. Whereas uh, a perfect sonnet is even in its loudness and angst, it's a very refined and very thoughtful song. Mm -hmm. I feel like this song kind of takes that idea of being jealous of the idea of things like, um, of religion and not belonging to that community. Um, and then runs kind of wild with that. And especially because there's this build up to the, the idea of, uh, Hey, I wonder how this guy died, right? Like, was it peaceful right. or was it really, really violent? And then there's this sort of like pulling back and self aware of, well, maybe it's me. Who's this unstable. And mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. kind of fun just to see like, okay, let's let this off the leash for a little while, but then by the end, let's pull it back. And that's what I ultimately find fascinating about it because it does almost get a little childish. Like, <laughs> you know, or was he sweating in a struggle to keep breathing, ripping apart the sheets that dressed his bed, crying out loud for someone to help him and collapsing on his back all pale and dead. Like <laughs> the, the use of the yeah, word yeah. all. Is it just comes across to me as a little childish, right? All yeah. pale and dead. Like it, it, it kind of reads like how a kid would talk about it. And then he, then he like fell down. He was all like gross and stuff. Like it, that's <laughs> kind of how it feels to me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's it's in part intentional. Like it's meant to like he's really giving into these angsty feelings, but then pulls it back and is being more self-reflexive uh uh, reflective rather and like maybe it's me maybe there's something like i'm doing wrong which is a dangerous thing to think because i think often people like to blame themselves for their problems or their thought space which isn't it's it's as unhelpful as blaming the world right and i think that's how he starts he starts by blaming the world and he ends with blaming himself 
And not only that, I mean, these are really hard questions that people are trying to figure out that have much more experience than he does at this point as well, you know? These are typical questions, again, that someone would be asking in their late teens. You know, he's trying to understand the end of life. And what's the point in doing anything if life is brief, if it's forgettable, if it's finite? And really, it's a balancing act, right? Because you could go one way and say, well, nothing matters. So I'm going to uh, do all the most self-destructive things, live a completely hedonistic lifestyle, screw everybody. Or you could go the opposite way and be so paralyzed by that and say, what's the point? I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to lay in bed all day because there's nothing waiting for me at the end. So it's a balancing act. And Connor's trying to figure out where, where he fits on that spectrum and how he can best kind of integrate that fear of not knowing and lead a relatively normal life. And I'm not sure whether I have mentioned this already, but I do find that I I like the song a lot too, because it's an interesting bridge between letting off the happiness and what will be fevers and mirrors, because I mean, you can kind of see this, song as like a grim reflection of the city has sex from letting off the happiness. Cause a lot of the same questions are put in both, but while the city has sex kind of is a fun song. And even if it gets like, um, it asks those existential questions by the end, it's so raucous and wild that it's like, you can almost be distracted by the fact that distracted away from those questions Mm-hmm. This draws the attention, and there is that bit of like, like fun boppy song itness to the end of it. But I would definitely call this like a dark reflection of uh, letting off the happiness, and kind of like one of the few tracks that has that bridge between these two albums. Uh, I mean, uh, unless anybody else has something to say, should we uh, head on over to the next one? Uh, yeah, that works for me. Let's do it. So a new arrangement. Uh, we have reached our second to last song on the EP. One that I think fits very nicely leading into Neely O'Hara and not in terms of it being kind of like a forgettable song. I actually think this is a bit of a sleeper on the album. Like one that I, when I first went through it, wasn't like, oh, I want to listen to that again. But as I kind of delved into this, EP more and more uh, over the past couple of years turned out to be one that I actually quite like. Yeah, I I agree. I I definitely see it as uh, more of a sleeper because it's not, it's often one that I, when re-listening to this EP for, for this recording, uh, it was one of those where it's like, Oh, this, this was a song on this EP. I forgot about this. Mm -hmm. And it does, a really effective job of, I think this might be one of the deeper explorations of the EP. Interestingly enough. Okay. I don't know if you felt that same way. Like there's something a a lot more abstract about this song than maybe the others. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I had a hard time putting to words what I think Connor is getting at. Hmm. And whenever I finally found that combination, I was like, oh, this is this is brilliant. So 
why keep you on the cliffhanger? That's what we're here for. I'll tell you what that is. Um, <laughs> so you'll get honestly, the full story if you uh, pledge five dollars a month over at Patreon.com, <laughs> or you get the full story by just waiting another like fifteen seconds or so. <laughs> just be honest. Um, yeah. So you know, I do. I do think that it speaks to this fear that Connor has that that came through in in letting off the happiness, and again on this EP, that fear that you can never go back. Right. That the past is the past, and this sort of like grief that you can never you can never go back there. And it foreshadows a bit Connor's use of clocks and calendars as symbols in Fevers and Mirrors. Because literally in the beginning, if you could change the days, arranging them in some sweet new sequence. So he's talking about literally chopping up and moving the days of the week, days in the calendar, to potentially break up this monotony that he's in. And it's the lines that come after that. It's the moment you are living in, not the one that follows, that makes the mess that you're cleaning in your head. So perhaps that belief from a line allows progress comes back, that tomorrow could be the day that it's fixed. But the problem is, tomorrow is always changing, right? The goalpost is always changing, because as soon as you get there, it's the present. So unfortunately for Connor, if the moment you are living in is the one that makes the mess that you're cleaning in your head, he's never going to get to that day that he's no longer making that mess. Yeah, that's a really interesting analysis of of what he's saying, because I think that's like, <laughs> uh, I forget. I don't know if there's a particular philosopher that said this, or this is just one of those philosophical musings that's kind of just always there. But it's like, the the fact that there is there is no future there's always now in the past and now is becoming the past so there's almost not now um wait wait hold on on i was just listening to one jug of wine and in the beginning of one of the songs uh someone is speaking and he says there is no future oh, there's yeah. only the past something something like that i, I don't know the specific oh oh line. i think the uh, the line was um there is no future, only the past happening over and over again. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Sorry, I, I kind of took us off there. Uh, get us back on the rails. <laughs> no, no, but it's it goes to show like this is one of those ideas that comes up over and over again. And I, I think there is this nice, I don't know, this fantasy of being able to arrange things like a story in a way that makes sense. And life doesn't usually make sense. It's usually a mess. And Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you don't know how to arrange it in such a way, you might start to fantasize about arranging it in, in a way that's almost supernatural, right? Of, of arranging it in a way that's interestingly not a line. And I don't know what you would call it. Would you call that a circle? If you could rearrange it, is it, it, a, in is a, it a bent way? paper clip? Yeah, is it a bent paper clip? I don't know. Is um, it a Jeremy Baramy? Shout out to my uh, Good Place fans. <laughs> oh, it's a show I have to watch. It is interesting how we start the EP with a line allows progress, a circle does not, as though a straight line is the the best thing that you could hope for, and then we're almost done with the EP, and now all of a sudden it's like, nah, line isn't even good enough. We have to chop this up and arrange it in a way that's better. 
just like we're due with the podcast. Just like, oh, if you folks only knew. If you folks only knew how much editing we have to do because because Jesse and Chris can't keep their shit together. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. Uh, so the other thing I want to bring out about this is I wonder who Baby is, right? So Baby, when I call for you, uh, I want you to come and explain yourself to everyone, and the other line is, and lay it out for everyone. So I've got a couple of ideas. I don't know if any of them are correct. Maybe the person saying saying baby is a parent, right? And I said that earlier, right? You had mentioned mm. that's the only time parents are, are, are mentioned. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. So my first thought was maybe it's it's a parent, an authority figure of some kind saying like, behave well. Don't don't embarrass us in front of the company with your sad boy act today. It's an important <laughs> right. day. Something like that. Maybe it's Connor personifying his depression, like asking it to to come out in the music he's writing. Because without it, inspiration just kind of seems reluctant to happen. Or maybe it's tomorrow, kind of like what I was saying with the song, asking for it to come back. Because he says lay it out for everyone exactly how it was before any of this happened. Maybe he's wishing that this imagined tomorrow could be the same as the happy days he used to have before whatever happened in his life to make him feel this way. And maybe I'm too much in the headspace of the newest album and, and what's going mm-hmm. on there. But right. I'm also starting to read uh, the, the use of baby as almost aggressive too. Like uh, Hmm. you can really read this very passive aggressive. Like um, imagine like you got into a tiff with a partner and they want to be like scathing about it. I told you to come and lay it out. Uh, Don't feel awkward. Lay it out for everyone. Right. Like that, that kind of thing. Like maybe this is scathing. Maybe this is like, you know, you wish it was a certain way, but you know, maybe it's your fault. So yeah, indulge us. Tell us how you would lay it out. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. you had no hand in, you know, X, Y, and Z in that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much because of the the, uh, everything (laughs) going on in the new album. But maybe, again, this ambiguity is what makes it so interesting in that, like, there are so many different ways to arrange this in an interesting fashion. Yeah, I it's... Hell, it's what makes this possible as a podcast, right? Like if it was very cut and dry, like, uh, yes, baby is referring to like, it would not be as fun. The fun part is thinking of all the crazy, crazy things that (laughs) that it could be. And then being completely wrong because he's talking to a literal baby. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, this song I think is placed really well. And it gives us at the end it leads into Neely O'Hara. Now, I'm ready to move on for various reasons, but before we do that, I need to know, Jesse, are you ready to come along with me or do you still have something else to say? I think I am ready to dive into the next song. Well, put your little hand in mine and let's go. So this song flew under my radar for a really long time. I think it was whenever I bought the vinyl, a couple of years ago, uh, I started listening to it and it has become my like 3am and why are you still awake song? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so as you pointed out earlier, uh, it references Valley of the Dolls, 
uh, and the character Neely O'Hara, who is addicted to sleeping pills or becomes addicted to sleeping pills, which end up effectively ruining her career as an actress. You know, I think you could take that very literally. And I think the lyrics speak to that very Mm. literally as well. But there's also a whole lot more to it. Yeah, I think that there is a really interesting play here of um, between letting off the happiness and what we've seen here so far in um, Every Day and Every Night, the idea that your addiction covers you, that it blurs the edges, right? Um, Mm -hmm. To then reference an addiction to sleep. Because, I mean, if if you're addicted to sleeping pills, right, uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily for the – what what are you getting? Unless I'm, I'm like, really showing my ignorance here, I think the point of it is to have that oblivion. And, like, right. you know, especially you and I have sleep problems, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah. not it's not too hard to say, like, yeah, when you, when you lack sleep, that's – you know, sleep is a lovely, wonderful thing and without it – and to to take a character who craves and cannot get enough of just not being awake is quite interesting when you compare it to the rest of the EP that talks about, like, other substance abuses, right? Yeah, in that sense, you know, really the meaning isn't hidden. And I think it's fair assessment to say, like, maybe Connor is reflecting on a future that may happen or maybe is already happening where his self-medication is literally turning him into a person unrecognizable to himself. So I think that helps uh, to tie it back to a perfect sonnet. That line ended up becoming something other than what I had planned to be. I think it, it, it speaks back to that. And I do want to make note too, like it's not only self-medication and you know, this is a, a personal note, but as I and I'm sure many other people have been on varying prescription medications at different points in their life, I mean, I always got this really sad thought of how much of my general affect was me and how much of it was this manufactured version of me, this cheap version of me that the pills helped create, you know? Mm. So it's not a wild jump to think that these are thoughts coming through, that these behaviors ultimately end up changing who Connor is. And and I think that questioning of how much of yourself is like air quotes manufactured by the the medication that you take. The two lines um that that repeat, do you think that someone paints your mirror? And I'm not sure if that is in, because I have not read uh, Valley of the Dolls. And so I'm not sure if that's a a reference to something that happens in that novel. But I do find it fascinating that, like, you're coupling the idea of of this addiction with, you know, editing the one consistent thing that people use to see themselves. Right? Mm. Like, um, apart from maybe phones these days, there (laughs) is something truly unique about a mirror in that it's the only way that you see yourself. 
and painting it seems like uh, how are you perverting this in a good or bad way? Uh, and right. I do like that juxtaposition of like marring a mirror and having an addiction of some sort. It's in the song, both literally and figuratively too. His subtle questioning and the last lines of the song are so haunting. Mm. You know you are not. Think you are not. No, you are not who you used to be. This belief that you used to be someone different, someone vibrant, someone happy, and the fact that you can get to a point where you actually start to question the validity of that. You know, that's I, that's fucked up, man. It's that you you no longer feel connected to your own experiences and this different version of you from the before time, whatever that was. And I might, I might go on for a little bit at this point, but like, it's ultimately very easy to end up feeling untethered and floating alone in this ether of uh, sensory pollution. Right. But I guess that we have to hope sometimes that connecting with a song is enough to help us feel connected to someone or something to, to, to pull us back. And I have to imagine that that feeling is what draws so many of us to Connor's music and music in general, you know, like for those three to five minutes, you aren't, alone and i i guess in my humble opinion like that's the ethos of bright eyes individual in the crowded universe how do we accommodate these seemingly opposing ideas of feeling alone yet being surrounded by and being part of a human collective and even in 2020 Connor will never tell you how to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and to be fair, like that's not his job. You know, like this music exists as comfort and catharsis, both for him and us. I sorry, I know I went on for a bit there, but I I one hundred percent agree. I but with with everything that you said, um, and and I think. Like to, to piggyback off of what you're saying too, it's the, those last lines are yes, incredibly haunting, but also kind of a part of of life. Um, and but you you like waking up and realizing that you're a different person or that you're changing in some way, like you're going to do that throughout life. And so I think as a young person who maybe, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of the king of throwing out uh, <laughs> quotes and ideas and not remembering where they come from. But like <laughs> th- this idea that like every 10 years, a person has like a sea change in personality. And it's not like something that you see like a 10 year clock goes off and it's like, ah, I'm a new person. But it's so slow and subtle that if you like looked, if you were an avid journaler and you looked at what you were writing in a journal 10 years ago, you would be sort of questioning who this person was. And so I think for a young person who's sort of experiencing that for the first time of realizing that they've changed in substantial ways, 
and not coping with it, like reaching out to friends and family and seeing a, you know, trained mental health care professional, that could lead to this sort of crisis and to, to go deeper into something like a, a chemical that covers you. Yeah, I he does a really, really good job of, and this is true for all of his music, but just speaking to this experience that truth be told, you know, I don't, I don't know is universal. I, I, what you, what you say makes sense about changing every 10 years. But again, again, a, a number I just kind of threw out of nowhere from right. something I remembered from like <laughs> undergrad or something. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the way Connor conveys this message in Neely O'Hara I don't know. I think it it speaks more to the the substance abuse to whatever in his life that he's he's probably not even sure what made him feel this way. You know that one day he was this relatively carefree, happy kid, and all of a sudden, like there's this period of time where. He just wasn't that anymore. So now he's trying to assimilate these competing ideas of like, wait, was I this person and who am I now? And if having to face yourself in the mirror in your drug-induced or alcohol-induced state has led him into questioning his identity. Who is he now? And And really and we're left off on this album on that note of who am i and truth be told i have to look at fevers and mirrors again but maybe that's his attempt to to find that identity i'm not sure i do think that this is really interesting that this is a direct contradiction of my uh, my firm belief that uh bright eyes will always leave us on like um on an up note whereas this is very much the down the most downer way that you could end a to be fair it's an ep right 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 versus an album yeah and so i think like uh, to to look at it through that lens this is very much kind of setting up the what fevers and mirrors is ultimately going to end up doing and i mean i'll throw out a little teaser here because um We've said it many times, and we will continue to say it, that, oh man, we can't wait to talk about Fevers and Mirrors. Oof, the ending of Fevers and Mirrors is just, it's just Don't even talk about the ending. Yeah, I can't even do it. You keep those words in your mouth. I'm already dreading. You can't breathe with these words in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Letting off the happiness joke. God, I can't, I'm looking forward to all these in-jokes we get to have with all of our listeners. But um, I think this perfectly sets up like it, it gets you in that mind space away from letting off the happiness and into a place where you're assuming that you're following along with these with these releases that you're kind of ready for um, the jump from happiness to fevers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, that's all I've got for Neely O'Hara. Now might be as a good a time as any to just kind of wrap up our final thoughts. I mean, I guess we've already kind of been doing that. Where am I? Where have I been? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess I would say for me, like the EP overall is one of, 
I think grief and mourning Connor mourning the person that he was the life that he had planned out uh, and his struggles with finding a meaning or purpose as he feels untethered um, and struggles to connect himself to others, both intentionally with the use of drugs and alcohol or, you know, otherwise just like kind of um, this natural affect that he has now that where he's finding it hard to, to connect. And yeah, that was, that was my overall reading of the EP. I will say a lot of it is tinged in with uh, recency bias because of Neely O'Hara, but I do think those themes also come across in the other four songs on the EP too. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I didn't spend, actually, I didn't spend as much time talking about it as I thought I would, but um, like that connection between uh, Catcher in the Rye and <laughs> this EP, <laughs> I could have maybe spent some more time uh, making that a little stronger, but um, I will stick to the idea that it's, we're kind of following a young man who is confused about a lot of things and seeks the refuge of, of chemicals only to find that that kind of makes it worse and that poses new problems. And uh, yeah, then we end up uh, at the end of Neely O'Hara. Oh, man, this was a, this was a, a interesting journey that we took together through this album. Yeah. A, a wild journey indeed. And you know, although the album ends on a bit of a bummer, the podcast doesn't have to, you know, we can uh, look Fevers and Mirrors is coming soon. I hope you're as excited to hear about it as we are to talk about it. But what the good news is, in the wait between this episode and that one, continue listening to Down in the Weeds where the world (laughs) once was. Because if you don't do that for the next couple of weeks, I heard Connor will appear in your mirror and haunt you. And yeah, he will uh, give you a fever (laughs) that you can't sweat out. Okay. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Panic at the disco reference. Uh, oh. we're, we're doing a hard leave pivot, it in. folks. Leave, leave it, it in. in. We're, 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 uh, this, this is now going to be a Brendan Yuri podcast. We're going to talk all about Panic at the Disco. Um, yeah. So I think in, there's a good reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't figured it out yet. Oh, uh, God damn. I love that song. <laughs> It's such a good song. It's a good song. Is it R or aren't? I don't know. The title is so damn long, dude. Oh, so that was so, that was so in vogue. Uh, in yeah. that, like Fallout Boy did a bunch of those, right? We I guess we actually kind of talked about that. I think in our first episode, did we? We're, really, we're yeah, we might have back done. to all of our viewer. Then. Do you remember? <laughs> the, do you remember that time? <laughs> if if you do, send us a message on uh, at Connor's basement. Instagram send us an AOL instant message. At Connor's Basement on AOL as well. <laughs> At AOL.com. We, friendster me. <laughs> check us out on, check us out on Live Journal. I don't even know if we made a MySpace joke. Would that even track? Are oh, they like shit. still even around? Uh I I think technically MySpace still exists in some hollow form of its former self. Mm, some wraith on the internet. <laughs> haunting haunting the tubes <laughs> oh man yeah well like you said man it had been a wild journey uh, uh Chris, i still don't know how to close a podcast oh go ahead go ahead yeah and and so uh, before we close out um i think that we should uh let our listeners know that if you want to 
I know it kind of goes without saying in, in 2020, but if you want to be prepared for our episode on fevers and mirrors, you should head over to um, you know the music streaming service of your choice and listen to Fevers and Mirrors. Give it a good listen from start to finish, and uh, we're super psyched to dig into it with you uh, when we when we cover it on our next episode. Yeah, and uh, I mean even same for every day and every night. If uh, you enjoyed us talking about it and you want to kind of uh, have a conversation about maybe your takes and your thoughts about it, maybe give that uh, a listen. Take a look at the lyrics, which of course are available anywhere we'd love to hear what you guys think and maybe what you think we're wrong about uh, but obviously mostly what you think we're right about because i mean come on we uh we are the foremost experts i'd say in uh uh connor theory i i believe i, uh, I think so i think we are the 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 number one scholars uh all you basement dwellers out there figure out what what our what our branch of study is uh but just know that we're the heads of this department and if you if you really if you want to get a uh certificate uh an honorary degree in canology consider joining our patreon (laughs) it's listed on our website i can't even get through it without laughing man (laughs) and if you're literally connor obers listening to this hey connor thanks for making it all the way to the end I'm sure you. I'm sure you're just sweating that we're revealing all of your secrets and breaking down your work bit by bit. But we have a several thousand dollar tier that we would love you to join. <laughs> First, you know, you get a foot in the door. You buy, and then you sell, and then you buy some more. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe a, a natural way to end. I think so. Um, everybody, thanks so much for coming by to the basement and uh and and listening to our rambles um on your way out make sure just like avoid the broken glass in the window you know don't cut yourself because we can't afford the we can't afford the lawsuits (laughs) at this point thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast we really appreciate if you've stuck around to the end if you did and you enjoyed it please consider rating the podcast it helps us out quite a bit and of course again consider following us on instagram and twitter at Connor's Basement. Lastly, again, a thank you to our patrons, Goldie, Lad, and Mom. If you want to hear your name read during the intro or credits for the episode, consider heading over to our website, connorsbasement.com, going to the Support Us page and uh, helping us out on our Patreon. That's all we got for today, and we hope to see you for our next episode on Fevers and Mirrors. Trust me, you're going to want to subscribe to us to hear our thoughts on that album.